Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Twenty-three September, Sunday. Time for the prophecy update of the week. Let's see here. Uh, first category is Israel, and I call this "tickle me pink" from the Jerusalem Post. Anti-Semitism definition sparks backlash on the U.S. left. I like that. A debate over the definition of anti-Semitism that has paralyzed Britain's Labour Party made its way across the Atlantic amid news that the Trump admin would apply a similar standard on discrimination towards Jews under scrutiny there at the Department of Education. The matter in question is whether opposing Jewish self-determination in the ancestral Jewish homeland of Israel, a political movement known as Zionism, should be considered anti-Semitic. Several Western government agencies, including the foreign and justice ministries of the U.S., Britain, and Germany, have policies that deem anti-Zionism a discriminatory practice that uniquely denies Jews the right to govern themselves. But the Trump admin is now applying that standard in America's schools, and we watch the left's heads explode. I, I just love it. Where anti-Israelianism has raged in recent years in the form of the BDS movement meant to delegitimize the Jewish state in the advancement of the Fakistanian cause. A policy paper released last month by Kenneth Marcus, the Assistant Secretary of Education for Civil Rights, announced that that department would adopt the State Department definition of anti-Semitism that applies a test of three Ds to determine Jewish discrimination. Delegitimization of Israel, demonization of Israel, and the subject of Israel to double standards. Marcus also announced the reopening of a years-old case involving anti-Israelianism directed toward Jewish students at Rutgers University in which the department would repackage its argument based on the new policy. So I'm very happy about that. If it makes liberals go crazy, I'm all for it. From the Times of Israel, U.S. reallocating West Bank Israel coexistence funds to Arab Jewish programs. Take it away from the fakes and they're giving it to people in Israel, Arabs and Jews, and I'm sure that just blows people's heads up as well. Tickle me pink. The U.S. confirmed it has cut additional aid to the Fakistanians for programs supporting conflict resolution with the Israelis because there's no point in having any money go to that worthless cause. They don't want a resolution. They keep sending these kites in. They keep doing this kind of stuff. So it's adding more than $500 million in other costs. The latest cuts come from $10 million in programs on reconciliation involving fakes as well as Jewish and Arab Israelis. The portion of the money involving fakes in the West Bank and Gaza Strip was being redirected to programs between Jewish and Arab Israelis. Good job. Okay, and then from I-24, Israel and Turkey quietly moved to repair relations. They've had their relations just going down the tubes a lot in recent months. And it looks like they're trying to repair it 
my guess is this is not going to be successful, or if it is, it will be very short-lived. It's just my guess on it, knowing uh, what is coming in Gog Magog, and just figuring that that's got to be sometime close. I mean, whether it's five years or ten years or one year, uh, one of the things that has to happen is Libya has to get stabilized under somebody that is willing to align with Russia. That is not the case right now, and so Gog Magog is not coming. That doesn't mean the rapture. I'm not tying the two together in any way, shape, or form, but Libya has to come together in order for it to be a part of what is said coming in the Gog Magog war. So it's just something to keep your uh, minds on. But uh, here's what it says. Israel and Turkish officials have reportedly resumed contact after several months of strained relations following the bilateral expulsion of one another's envoys amid a row over Israel's military killing of dozens of Palestinians in May. Ynet reported that, according to Israeli and Turkish officials, the two nations are set to return ambassadors to their posts following the Jewish holidays this month, which are going on right now. Um, Sukkot will be done, and then after that, they'll probably come about. Turkey reportedly sent an economic attache to Israel after several years having no one in the country. So we'll see where it goes, but it's kind of interesting that they're working on this. My guess is that it was somehow Israel extending an olive branch to them, but I could be wrong. It could be that the lira is in such bad shape and Turkey is struggling so badly with their uh, uh, economy right now that they may be reaching out to Israel in hopes that we will be more favorable to them in the future as well. So it's just very hard to say what's going on, but interesting. From Christian News, from Fox, I got a lot on China today. I had some other really good articles, but China is going through some very strong emotions right now, which are not good at all, especially for Christians in the country and a few other issues. But um, Chinese officials burn Bibles, close churches, force Christians to denounce faith amid escalating crackdown. Now, this has been going on for several weeks, and I have not reported on it because it's made all of the major news, but I'm setting it up for the other things that are coming as well. And the Chinese government is destroying crosses, burning Bibles, closing churches, and forcing Christian believers to sign papers renouncing their faith as the crackdown on religious congregations in Beijing and several provinces intensifies. Now, imagine that. Here we sit in any church we want in America, or we don't go to church and we claim to be Christians, and we say, God is blessing me, and so I must be on his side, you know, and we, we got the prosperity gospel all over the place, and these people are being forced to make a decision, renounce Christ and sign a paper to it, or who knows what's going to happen to them. So we sit here fat, dumb, and happy, and parts of this world are really struggling. The suppression of religious freedoms is part of an official campaign to sinicize or sinicize. Does anybody know where that term comes from? It comes from Genesis chapter 10, the table of nations. Remember, you have the uh, sons of Noah, and then they break down into the sons from there. One of the uh, uh, sons of Noah is Ham. One of his sons is known as Sin, S-I-N. When we talk about Sino-U.S. relations, we're talking about Chinese-U.S. relations. That name is carried on all the way. If you go to watch the three Table of Nations sermons that I did, you will understand what is going on in the world today based on the division of the nations back then. Those 70 names are still prominent in the world today. You can know who is coming against Israel in this war, what is going on between these people and why. Okay, it's a very interesting study. And anyway, the um, Chinese synthesize religion 
by demanding loyalty to the atheist communist party and removing any potential challenge to the party's power in the country. The escalating anti-Christian campaign coincides with President Xi Jinping, his recent consolidation of power that made him the most powerful Chinese leader since Mao Zedong, the notorious communist leader responsible for millions of deaths. And it looks like this guy is trying to get into the same type of authority where he can cause millions of deaths once again. From Christian Times, China mulls major restrictions on online ministries. Chinese Christians have one month, one month to tell their government what they think of proposed new rules that ban the sharing of prayer, Bible reading, baptism, communion, and other forms of religious activity online. They're given a month, they'll give their opinion, and it'll be overturned anyway, guaranteed. China's state admin for religious affairs posted a draft yesterday of new regulations online, religious activities that would forbid the streaming of religious ceremonies, including prayer, preaching, and even burning incense. So you could not have a sermon from somebody in a church the way we do in America, and you want to watch an old Adrian Rogers sermon, go watch it on YouTube, right? Well, that won't be allowed. Okay, the new measures contained in 35 articles are much more restrictive and analytical than regulations on religious activities in real life that went into effect in February. For example, they established that anyone who wants to open a religious site must seek permission from the authorities and be judged morally healthy and politically reliable. Organizations and schools that receive the license can only publish didactic material via the internet in their internal network. That means training material in their internal network accessible only through a registered name and password. The rules emphasize that such organizations cannot try to convert someone and they cannot distribute religious texts or other material. SARA, which is that organization I read earlier, stated the new measures are intended to regulate Internet religious information service activities and maintain religious harmony and social harmony. It asked for public feedback by October 9th via its website and by email or regular mail. Article 15 spells out the prohibited online activities, which include recruiting followers or setting up religious organizations, schools, and sites, inciting minors to participate in religious activities, selling, marketing, or distributing internal religious materials, undermining peaceful relationships between religions or between religious and non-religious citizens, attacking the state's religious policies and regulations. In other articles, the draft rules prohibit the digital transmission by text, photos, audio, or video of prayer, baptisms, reciting scripture, or communion. Most notably, foreign and non-mainland, meaning Hong Kong and Taiwan, organizations and individuals would be prohibited from providing internet religious information services to mainland Chinese users. This would apply to a broad swath of online activity, information involving religion, including that relating to religious doctrine, religious knowledge, religious culture, or religious activities that is transmitted as text, images, audio, or video through means of internet websites, applications, forums, blogs, microblogs, public accounts, instant messaging, or online live streaming. Providers of such online material must be approved by the state and must obey existing laws as well as actively adapt religion to Chinese socialism and preserve ethnic unity and social stability. Their license would be valid for 
three years before renewal. It goes on like this. That was a long article. It goes on a lot longer saying all the things that they are going to be forced into in China. Imagine that. This is up until very recently, the largest Chinese growing, uh, or I'm sorry, Christian growing nation on this planet. They're being converted by millions. And all of a sudden, they're coming out and they're saying, this is all over. There's no more freedom for you over there. We need to keep Chinese people in prayer. Having said that, a person that I've mentioned in this church before, um, he sent me an email. He is over there, and I don't want to give too much information. I will give something else from him that I will quote exactly what he said I can say. But um, here's what he says about um, China. Life is changing here. I have a brother, meaning a brother in Christ, who is just starting seminary under the authority of an approved three-self church, starting delayed three weeks so that they could do more checking on students. A number of potential students told they can't attend even after being accepted. Former seminary graduate with a group that is connected with the approved church was stripped of his pastor status and the congregation disbanded. They have installed cameras with facial recognition in many churches. The one installed in the church I have attended and worked with for almost 10 years was aimed at where I usually sit. But that's not a problem because now foreigners aren't supposed to worship with or at the approved church. Imagine this. This person has dedicated his life to these people, and it's going to be just like it was during the Boxer Rebellion. We can see this all over again. I guess you will be my church, meaning the superior word, as long as the restrictions last and the VPN works. That means his ability to sign into us. They also came to check all materials used or kept at the church. The last train trip I took, I noticed the presence of what looks like a new type of camera. With all of these changes and proposed new changes, it means I will have to radically change from what I've been doing and develop almost all new procedures and methods. He says, ready for the rapture. I imagine you've dedicated your life to something and it's it's just being taken away. But obviously successfully. Oh yeah, obviously successfully, no doubt about it. No doubt he's done a great job over there and other people have been doing a great job over there and uh, we'll hope that somehow they can continue to do that, albeit in a different way. From Forbes, religious freedom for China's Catholics imperiled if Vatican deal is inked. Now this is important because the Vatican has already said that they're going to do this, so unless it changes, it shows you, when I keep calling them the mother of harlots, it is because they are the mother of harlots. The things that they have done and the things that they are doing are going to cause a lot of trouble for people in the world, and it's coming soon to a tribulation period near you, but here we go. New reports indicate that a deal between the PRC and the Vatican is imminent. People's Republic of China, PRC. If inked, the pact may have serious implications for the religious freedom of Catholics in China, as well as for diplomatic ties with Taiwan, which the Vatican currently recognizes as the official representative of faithful Catholics in China. You can see that's going to end. The deal purportedly grants the Chinese government power to nominate future bishops. It would also require the Vatican to recognize seven excommunicated Chinese bishops currently operating in China without recognition from Rome. When the notion of a deal was first raised, Catholics around the world voiced concerns over the role the Chinese government would play in the appointment of Catholic bishops. Under the proposed deal, the Pope has veto power over bishops nominated by Chinese authorities. In all other countries, the Pope possesses sole authority to appoint bishops. 
So I could see that they're going to do this. It's just my speculation. I'm not trying to prophesy here, but it's just, you know how the Catholic Church works. And they're losing people. They're losing uh, money. They need to keep a source of revenue coming in, and they want to you got all these Chinese that are captive to the Chinese government and you have authority over them and let them have a little bit of the power and we'll share in the deal together, right? Missionary project in Russia. This is from the person I just read uh, that emailed me, okay? This is something that if you can help with this, it may be, you know, something that, uh, I told you I'm not going to do any more GoFundMes because I did one for a personal uh, person and I said I won't do that again. This is not for a personal reason it is for a uh, missionary project in Russia and this is word for word what he said I didn't change it but I don't want to say any more that I'm not allowed to say but if you can help with this it would be a great blessing as he says he's uh, let me read it to you because of his visa requirements Les has to leave China every 60 days and from where he is in Eastern Asia Russia is the lowest cost place to visit After a couple of trips in prayer, he met a pastor and a member of his congregation who are doing an outstanding job. Remember, they're in the same boat as China almost with the leadership and the religious regulations over there. They had 14 homeless men staying in the church. Their goal is to provide a place outside the church, the renovation project, and also to create a farm, the Ag Project, that is also a woman's shelter and orphanage. Less helps how he can, but it is impossible for him to do it all with just his limited resources. They are Baptist, Les says. I'm not the super emotional spiritual type, but I could definitely feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as we talked the first time. Their plan is sound. I personally gave them money, and the next time I went, I saw results. All the money collected will go directly to them. Because of the rules of GoFundMe, this is Les' project to help them, not their project. He has a heart for Russians because it was the Russians that liberated his father when he was a POW in World War II. Please post and share creatively. Thank you and God bless. So if you are willing to help with this, I will post this. Um, I'll try to get the URL if it's too long. I would ask that if you want to help this individual with this project, email me and I will send you the links to the GoFundMe project. It is valid. It is something that this guy has been a blessing. All of the uh, tracks that we have in the back from different languages, we had Korean and Chinese and, you know, just all kinds. Of, he sent all those to me. They were printed over there and it was very cheap and he sent them to us. And he's, he's a wonderful person. If you want to help this individual with this project, I will give you the link. Please email me, okay? From Islam today, from Haaretz. Israeli-American man, 40, killed in stabbing attack at West Bank Mall. A lot of you might have heard about this. Israeli-American killed in West Bank attack was a passionate defender of Israel. A 40-year-old Israeli man was killed last Sunday in a stabbing attack at the entrance to a mall near the West Bank's Gush Etzion Junction. The victim was identified as Ari Fold, a father of four from the West Bank settlement of Efrat. So very sad stuff there, but the usual reactions to this. From the Jerusalem Post, Fakistinian group applauds Gush Etzion attack. This is why we're not dealing with these people. We're not sending them any money. We'll continue from Ynet. Abbas, Fakistinians committed to nonviolence, he says. Okay, well, how is that? From Jerusalem Post, the Fakistinian authority to pay family of Fold's murderer 
NIS shekels, that means shekels, 1400 a month for three years. But they're dedicated to nonviolence, but they're going to pay this guy that just killed this individual from the Times of Israel. Fakistinian attempts Yom Kippur stabbing in Jerusalem is killed, police say. Okay, good job there. From Aret Shiva, Fakistinian Authority Foreign Minister, no U.S. visa for the UN General Assembly. We are denying them a visa to go to the UN General Assembly. We are doing the right thing. They're a bunch of criminals over there. They're murderers. They pay people to murder, and then they say that we're committed to peace. We have cut them off. We've got the right president for this time. Breitbart, crime wave, United Kingdom. Government moves to stop knife sales. Knife sales, just no more. Yep, as blade crime hits seven-year high. British courts dealt with more than 21,100 knife crime cases in this year to June. 21,000 to this year in June. You know, with that statistics, it's more than the murders with handguns in America. We've got 300 million handguns, and most of them are in liberal, almost all of them are in liberal cities or by liberal wackos. So here we go. The 36% of the offenses which resulted in a custodial sentence was the highest proportion on record. While crediting the increase in prison terms to the government's introduction of a two strikes and you're out, minimum six-month sentence in 2015 under Section 28 of the Criminal Justice and Courts Act, the statistics also reveal that 37% of offenders previously convicted of knife possession still escaped without prison sentences. So they've got these strikes and you're out, but they won't convict them anyway. So they're, they're out, they're free. Recorded machete attacks have increased fivefold in the past three years to the point that police now deal with an average of 15 incidents involving the broad sword-like blades each day. Incredibly, strict firearm controls appear to be doing little to stem soaring rates of gun crime. So they've got some of the highest, most stringent gun regulations in the world, and they're having an increase in gun crimes. What do you think? Okay, uh, with London seeing a 44% rise since 2014. But even though this is occurring despite Britain boasting some of the toughest anti-gun laws in the world, politicians hope increasing restrictions on knife sales can help tackle the blade crime. With calls to ban kitchen knife sales on the basis that domestic food preparation does not require chef sharp tools and stores voluntarily taking knives off of the shelves, the United Kingdom already takes a much stricter approach to sharp objects than most other Western nations. With authorities earlier this year arresting a man for carrying a potato peeler in a public place without reasonable excuse. In June, insisting there is more to be done to crack down on knife sales, the government also introduced new legislation which would make it illegal to deliver bladed items bought online. Can't order knives online either. But warning the offensive weapons bill is overly draconian and would prevent hobbyists from ordering harmless wood carving tools online. Businesses have said that the law would inflict serious damage on smaller companies. GNS specialist timber founder Gary Stevenson said that under the bill, which has passed its first and second reading in the House of Commons, the Cumbria-based company would no longer be able to sell carving tools online to private customers. You take away people's rights instead of handling the problem at hand. Puree food. Puree food. Everybody eat puree. Oh, no, you can't because they have blades and puree things. And you can, yeah, no, you can take them out and you can use them as uh, well, shirkins, you know, throwing them at people. No, no puree machines for you. None of this is because of terrorism. None of this is because of Islamization of England. None of it. 
from Creeping Sharia, Six Flags, that's here in America. Six Flags holds Great Muslim Adventure Day just days after 9-11. The anniversary of all the weeks in the year they chose the week of September 11th. Is it a coincidence, they ask? From Mongolia today, the next web says, Cardano talks blockchain innovation with Mongolian government. So Mongolia is getting into blockchain. Cardano is not quite done introducing blockchain technology to developing countries. Founder Charles Hoskinson revealed he recently visited Mongolia to discuss ways to use the technology to innovate the country's government and private business sectors. Cardano has developed a significant chunk of its time towards building blockchain pilots for the world's poorest nations. It is yet to be seen how much of an improvement Cardano's tech can bring to developing countries. While there are tons of companies seeking to use blockchain to innovate, not every attempt so far has been a success. Well, Mongolia will take over the world, so I'm sure it's going to work for them. From Daniel 12 Technology, this is the kind of thing that you know the liberals hate. Okay, you've got a dilemma now. Do you kill this and save this, or do you, you know, what do you do? This is a liberal's worst dilemma. From New Atlas, underwater drone watches over reefs and kills coral-destroying starfish. Yes, it's no secret that the world's coral reefs are in trouble, and unfortunately, scuba divers can only do so much in the way of monitoring or protecting them. Scientists in Australia, however, have developed an autonomous underwater drone that could be of great help. Known as the Ranger Bot, the prototype device was developed via a partnership between the University of Queensland, Google, and the Great Barrier Reef Foundation. The drone is programmed using a tablet while still at the surface. The process can reportedly be learned within 15 minutes. Once submerged, it uses a computer vision system to avoid obstacles and to navigate. That system, along with other sensors, allows it to detect and record reef problems such as coral bleaching, poor water quality, pollution, siltation, and pest species. In the case of the latter, the drone is able to identify coral-eating crown of thorns starfish with an accuracy of 99.4%. Students at Worcester Polytechnic Institute, on the other hand, recently developed an autonomous underwater robot that kills invasive lionfish. Tipping the scales at 33 pounds, the 30-inch Ranger bot has a battery life of approximately eight hours per charge. This lets it stay underwater much longer than a scuba diver being able to survey considerably larger areas. It's also designed to be inexpensive once it reaches production, allowing for widespread use. So it's very interesting. It goes down, he injects it with a poison, and it kills these things, which is a good thing. But I'm sure the libs will say you need to use a poison, but first have an anesthetic so it doesn't feel, you know, I, I can just see it coming. But I don't know if you, what this reminds me of is the movie Runaway. I don't know if you remember that. It was a movie a long time ago with Tom Selleck, and he was a, he was a cop, and he went into houses that had automatic stuff that would go crazy. Like, you know, you had a, a, a robot in your house that would cook your meals, and it would cr go crazy and take a knife and start killing people, and you'd have to go in and take care of it. Well, there was this one guy that had these little spiders that would crawl around and inject into somebody, and they, it would kill him, you know, by injecting into him. And uh, anyway, at the end, I won't give it away. Watch the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was a good movie. It was fun. It was knowing how long ago it was. It was probably the late '90s. It was probably without any cussing at all. But it, you know, it's one of those things that uh, uh, Tom Selleck, you know, he was a good actor. And uh, okay, from uh, physics.org, researchers teleport a quantum gate. 
Yale University researchers have demonstrated one of the key steps in building the architecture for modern quantum computers, the teleportation of a quantum gate between two qubits on demand. That's something they could not do until now. They can now do it. Quantum computers are coming soon to a you know, digital device near you. From uh, Revelation Plagues, from CNS, Sessions, that's the guy up in the DOJ, 72,000 died from overdoses last year. Highest drug death toll in U.S. history. During a speech at the National Narcotics Officers Association Coalition Drug Enforcement Forum, Sessions said the CDC estimated that the death toll from drug overdoses last year at approximately 72,000, which he said is the highest drug death toll in American history by far. It is widely estimated that the life expectancy has declined in the United States in recent years, largely because of drug abuse. Sessions said opioids like prescription painkillers, heroin, and synthetic drugs like fentanyl are to blame for the dramatic increase in overdose deaths. And in 2016 alone, 42 Americans died from opioid overdoses, which isn't that many out of, what, uh, 72,000. It says we also have a serious and growing cocaine problem in this country. It's purer, cheaper, and more available. Cocaine-related deaths have nearly tripled in the U.S. since 2010, and our DEA agents in the West tell us that methamphetamine is their number one problem. The situation is daunting and the challenge is great, but we have a unique opportunity to reverse these trends. Sessions noted that in the past, drug enforcement agents did not get the support they needed from politicians who tried to tie their hands. In the face of an unprecedented crisis, we have to take unprecedented action, And with President Trump, that is exactly what we are doing. President Trump has a comprehensive plan to end what he has declared to be a national public health emergency. The three legs of our plan include prevention, enforcement, and treatment. Trump has improved prevention efforts by launching a national awareness campaign about the dangers of opioid abuse and has set the goal of reducing opioid prescriptions by one-third in three years. Furthermore, the president ordered Sessions to seek the death penalty for certain drug dealers, something no president has done before him. The AG said that Obama admin, listen to this, directed federal prosecutors to omit the full amount of drugs someone is charged with in order to avoid triggering mandatory minimum sentencing for drug cases. So he said, don't do it so that they couldn't prosecute these people. As a result, drug prosecutions and the average length of sentences for drug traffickers decreased, made it look like he was a great president. Oh, it's going down when, in fact, he ordered these people not to prosecute these people. You got three types of drugs that you're you're peddling. They leave two of them out. They charge you with one. It's not a uh, felony, and so it just doesn't get written into the books. What a criminal he is. What a traitor to our nation. Who's this guy, Sessions again? Sessions, yeah. Who? What's that? Jeff Sessions. Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. Oh, Attorney General. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, morality. The college fix. More Yale freshmen identify as LGBTQ than conservative. Yale freshmen. More of them identify as LGBTQ than conservative. A Yale Daily News survey of freshman students at the university found that more students of the class of 2022 identify on the LGBTQ spectrum than as conservative and that queer freshmen even outnumber other sizable demographics in the class, such as Protestants and Catholics. The paper survey 
the results of which are composed of 864 respondents, or just over one half of the freshman class, found that only 9% of respondents identified as somewhat conservative, with 1% identifying as very conservative. LGBTQ respondents, however, greatly outnumbered conservatives in total. According to the survey, near 5% identified as gay and just over 9% as bisexual or transsexual. 3% opted to not answer, and the remaining 8% identified as asexual, ace spectrum, or questioning their sexual orientation. This combined demographic outnumbers even Protestants and Catholics, whom the survey identified as 16 and 15% of the incoming class. What a disgrace for something that was started as a theological seminary. Uh, you know, their, their, what do you call it, their coat of arms has a picture of the Bible, and it uh, says on it, Urim and Thummim in Hebrew, which is the uh, lights and the perfections in, uh, in uh, the book of Leviticus. And that's what they were founded on. Now they're dealing with this nonsense. From uh, IW, ad agency darkens skin of students in school photo to promote Diversity. Yes, students in Lyon, France, posing for a school photograph, had their skin artificially darkened by an ad agency in order to promote diversity in the United States. Planning to establish a branch in the United States, the Emile Cole School posted an image of the smiling freshman students to Twitter. However, the students themselves drew attention to the fact that darker skin had been photoshopped onto some of their faces, in a few cases making them look like completely different people. After the school began receiving criticism over the manipulated image, they blamed the ad agency that provided the photo, oh sure, before suspending access to their own website, serving a contract with the agency and issuing an apology. From the... The what? The Al Josen effect. Al Josen effect, yeah. <laughs> From the New York Post. Transgender boy wins girls' state wrestling title for a second time. He won it last year. We reported on it. And the little jerk is doing it again. <laughs> From Fox News. University under fire for creating a sp- safe space for white students called White Awake. This group offers a safe space for white students to explore their experiences, questions, reactions, and feelings. Members will support and share feedback with each other as they learn more about themselves and how they fit into a diverse world. The flyer also asked if white people ever feel uncomfortable and confused in their interactions with racial and ethnic minorities and if they want to become a better ally. So, you know, it's designed there for whites to appreciate themselves less, and the libs still went crazy on it. I mean, it's just, but you can have separate black graduations, which they've done at several colleges. You can have separate black, um, uh, you know, whatever, fraternities. It doesn't matter. You have your own black um, dormitories in many of these colleges. But if you just say the word white, you get in trouble nowadays. It is absolutely insane. All right, our other category from Zero Hedge. Middle class income hits all-time high. Poverty rate declines. The medium middle class U.S. household earned an inflation-adjusted $61,372 last year, an increase of 1.8% over 2016, and an all-time high as it blew through the previous record set in 1999, according to a Wednesday release by the U.S. Census Bureau. The percentage of people in poverty, meanwhile, dropped slightly from 127 to 12.3%. The third consecutive decline. Good job, President Trump. Once again, I say it every week. I'll say it again. If the economy tanks tomorrow, it's going to happen. But as long as he's doing well, he ought to get the credit for it. 
from Zero Hedge. On the other side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. 40% of Venezuela stores go bust after a 3,000% minimum wage hike. This guy's just destroying his country. He's a lunatic. The dream of socialism has once again collided with the realities of economics. After nearly 40% of stores in Venezuela have been forced to close following a mandated 3,000% increase in minimum wages by the Maduro government. Beginning this week, 7 million Venezuelan employees were to be granted 1,800 bolivars a month, which is around 20 U.S. dollars on the black market. Many of the companies which have been barely surviving the gradual collapse of the economy saw the salary increase and other changes announced last month as the fatal blow in a string of policies that have been gradually strangling their operations. It's a perfect storm, said Maria Carolina, can't pronounce the last name, president of the council. These decisions are leading many business people to say no. I can't do it anymore. Further complicating the situation are price caps on goods sold in stores, which are now selling below cost and cannot raise prices to cover the mandatory increase in salaries. If store owners are caught raising prices, they face fines and prison. We have inspections and they force us to sell at last month's prices. That takes money away from the business because of the hyperinflation, when you can't even sell yesterday's prices because you lose money. And anyone who protests against these measures runs the risk of going to jail without the right to appeal, without the right to anything, simply because the official whose turn it was to inspect the store just felt like arresting you. He did it, and that's all. Inflation in Venezuela hit 200% in August alone according to estimates by the Legislative National Assembly, while the boulevard has lost two-thirds of its value in 31 days. Many of the doomed stores, meanwhile, are liquidating merchandise as fast as possible before closing indefinitely. This is what they're doing in Seattle. This is what they're doing in California. This is what they're doing. All Every liberal city has something like this. It never works. And so, yeah, let's give them a higher minimum wage increase. And so what do they do? They cut the guy's hours and they're making less than when they, before they got their pay increase. Liberals are not smart enough to figure this out. Miami Herald. Poll finds 30% of Venezuelans often eat only once a day. Yep. Zero Hedge. NFL hell continues as ratings crater for the Dallas Cowboys. Mail online. America becomes the world's largest. They said three months ago that this would be at least a year away. Three months ago, I reported on that. Maybe it was two months, and they said it was more than a year away. And here it is already. America becomes the world's largest oil producer after overtaking Russia and Saudi Arabia for the first time in 45 years. Imagine what our president has done in the past two years. Mail online. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Amazing Grace, Britain's oldest person, reveals the secret to a long life and is a dram of whiskey a day as she celebrates her 112th birthday. Imagine that, 112 years old and she's having a little, I don't know what a dram is, it's what, this much? I I don't know. Anyway, um, she's 112 years old. It says, Grace Jones, originally from Liverpool, is known to friends as Amazing Grace. She became the world's oldest after the death of Olive Evelyn Bohr, who was 113. Coincidentally, she also takes the title from another Grace Jones who died at 113. So there's been two Grace Jones which have been the record holders of this great age in England. Wonderful stuff. Mail online. Japanese online fashion billionaire 42 will be the first tourist on SpaceX's BFR flight around the moon. 
His name is Yusaku Meazawa. He will be the first lunar traveler since last U.S. Apollo mission in 1972. Meazawa is the CEO of Japan's largest online fashion mall. Forbes says Meazawa is Japan's 18th richest person is a net worth of $3 billion. After a career as a drummer in a punk rock band, he made his fortune by founding Zozo, an online clothing retailer. He said he will take between six and eight artists with him to the moon and pay for their seats. The journey to the moon, which Meazawa is believed to have paid millions for, will take roughly a week. So we're sending somebody back to the moon. And, uh, Are they we'll, transgender? Yeah, we'll see, but they'll probably be transgender. Yeah, something like that. If not, then they'll be racist for not taking one of them. Anyway, I got a Lesrick here. This is a joint effort between Les and his wife, Kathy. What should Britishers do with the knife? That is blamed for the cause of much strife. How shall they cut meat or celery or beet? Stupid rules are infringing on life. Good job. Oh, by the way, Les is preaching at his church today. He asked for prayer, so uh, I'm sure he's already in the pulpit by now, so it's too late to pray for him. But we did pray for him at mission work yesterday, and uh, we'll hope that he uh, has a successful day there in the pulpit. Let's see here. Before we get into our irony and odd for the week, I want to remind you that we have Sergio and Rhoda's video. It's from Bethsaida. Has anybody uh, and people online, YouTube, have you ever been to Bethsaida before? The answer is no, you have not. Watch the Sergio and Rhoda video and you will understand why. Okay, even if you think you've gone, you haven't gone. Okay, so for our irony of the week, I call this copped out with a parentheses around, or what do you call it? X, uh, what are these things? Um, uh, parentheses. No, no. What are, yeah. Quotation marks. Thank you. Quotation marks around copped. Copped out. From Weasel Zippers. Oh, the irony. Arkansas Nike store calls the police on a peaceful pro-cop demonstrator. So there you go. And then from Fox. Inside Edition crew gets robbed while reporting on San Francisco Bay Area crime. Ugh. So such is the world we live in. And from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your prophecy update for the week.